Welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. My name is Trevor Bohm and I will be your host. Every week or so, I try to get myself a fascinating human on the mic for you, someone who looks at the civilized world just like you do and says no thank you. Someone who wants to break some rules, to lead, and to bring their unique vision into the world. Someone for whom the status quo simply will not do. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. Please dive in. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. This is Traver Bohm, your host, not Traver, definitely not Travis. Appreciate you dropping in today. Today I'm talking with my good friend, Aaron Sky Kelly. Aaron was introduced to me through Long Distance Love Bombs, through Jeremy, and I actually consulted with her, God, maybe a year ago on how to grow the nation. So Aaron is a, a, a very valuable resource in my life. And she just wrote a book, How to Get the Hell Out of Debt. And what a better time, right? Like coming out of a pandemic, a lot of people have acquired a lot of debt, or a lot of people are finding themselves with big expenses coming up. And so Aaron and I dive into just the meat of this program on different ways you can look at money, different ways you can look at debt, and different ways you can look at the system that is set up to keep you in debt and get you in debt or the other way around, whichever it is. So really, no matter where you are financially, give this a solid listen uh, and please share it with people who, who may be struggling with their own debt. It's this, God, money is such a personal thing and it's something that we carry so much shame and so much guilt around. Yet, as Aaron's gonna explain, there are really easy action steps you can take, take just to start the process of thinking differently and acting differently and getting control, one of my favorite words, over your debt rather than being overwhelmed by the debt. So please, again, if you love this episode or if you get something out of it, please share it. Please go to iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this and give us a positive review. As you guys know, my mission this year is to have the uncivilized become a household name. And I really need your help with it. And the podcast has been growing. It's crazy to see the numbers of this, considering that we only started about a year and a bit ago. But no further ado, Aaron Sky Kelly, how to get the hell out of debt. Aaron Sky Kelly, welcome to the Uncivilized Podcast. This is a giant pleasure. Uh, I'm we are, so excited we are kind to see. of switching roles here. The last time you and I talked, you gave me amazing help for building the nation. So thank you so much for that. And for people who aren't watching this, there is a book over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. Would you mind telling my extraordinarily awesome audience a little bit about you and a little bit about this book? Well, I have a book coming out in July and it's called Get the Hell Out of Debt. Mm. And the book is really, truly just a step-by-step -step process on how you get out of debt. Because I know that there's a lot of money books out there that talk about all of the woo-woo stuff when it comes to money and manifesting and all of that. But yeah. it doesn't do any good if you don't actually understand how the money systems work. Uh, so this book has a little bit of both. It's very practical and tactical, but it's also got a lot of that behavioral stuff in it. Yeah. And I decided to write it last year. I've been teaching this course for many years, just on the side, just as a way to help people. Because I at one point was like in a ridiculous amount of debt and struggling financially. And I wanted a book that, you know, wasn't available. There was no book out there that really right. kind of got where I was at in life. So I started teaching it because it worked for me and I, and I got out of debt, but then last year when 
you know, the pandemic hit, people were panicking about money. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to write this sucker right now. And so I was lucky enough to get a book deal. And so the book is coming out July 20th, but it is called Get the Hell Out of Debt. And it is exactly everything that I wish I knew Mm. 20 years ago. Wow. It's so important. I've read, you know, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but remember reading something around the lines that people have like, if they're lucky, a paycheck's worth of grace in between them and financial ruin. Mm -hmm. And most Americans, I know you're Canadian, but most Americans retire, I think, in debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the, average, the average person's $400 away from financial disaster. And oh, yeah, it's scary. That's like I mean, a speeding it, ticket here. It is. Right? And it's, it's easy to do, though. Here's the thing is like, you know, we often shame ourselves or feel really guilty yeah. for getting into debt. We think, oh, I should know better. But mm-hmm. the whole system is designed to get you into debt. Like we, are, that, we are brought up to get into credit card debt, like from the minute you turn 18 and in some cases even younger, right? There's this big push to like build your credit rating. Mm. And so they're giving, you know, kids who are in college or university who don't have jobs Mm -hmm. credit Mm -hmm. uh, in order to help them determine their credit worthiness. But all it does is create credit dependence. And so even people who are paying their credit cards off every month, they'll often say to me, you know, well, I'm not in debt. I'm paying my credit cards off every month and I get lots of points. And I'm like, Mm. okay, first of all, those points aren't free. Second, I don't know any millionaires or billionaires who built their wealth from points. So Mm. the system is not helping you in the way you think it is. But also you are most often paying it off once you get a paycheck at the end of the month, meaning you've already pre-spent all that money. Uh, So that's not money you already have in most cases. Right. And the problem that happens is, you know, as you behave with credit, they keep extending more to you. Mm -hmm. So your credit limit goes up and up and up, which means your spending goes up and up. And they know they are like forensic psychologists when it comes to this stuff, right? They're not guessing. They're watching your patterns very closely. And what happens is as they, as you start to do well, they're, they, they don't want you to pay it off every month. They mm. claim that they do, but they want you to carry balance because that's one of the ways that they earn money. Mm. Credit card companies aren't doing this for your benefit. They're doing it for their benefit. And so what they're hoping to do is as soon as you lose your job or as soon as you're not able to pay it off every month, now they gotcha. Mm-hmm. And now you're in a position where they're earning interest on interest on interest. And even for people who pay their credit cards off every month, the interest payment on the credit card is really only one way the credit card company is earning money from you. They're earning it from an annual fee in a lot of cases, concierge right. services, insurance, like there's all kinds of little hidden fees in there. Right. And so we really want to be aware <laughs> that just because you know, you're paying your credit card off every month, it doesn't mean you're actually building wealth. Mm. I just this morning... I have a, an old card. This was the card that in my 20s, this was the first lesson. He goes like 23 and was like, oh, I'm in $20,000 worth of credit card debt. I didn't have a job at the time. And yeah. then spent, I think, two years working and working as much overtime as I could and not going out and living like a monk and then paying that off and then making a decision to not use that card. But every year they charge me 95 bucks for it. Yeah. And I pay it because I've been told that it'll F my credit rating if I cancel the card. Well, what do you need the credit rating for? To buy my house, car, and yacht. Well, can't you do that with money? 
Yeah, but I don't have that money right now, Aaron. Well, see, but here's the deal is there are ways we can, right? And I'm not saying don't, you know, I'm not, I'm sort of half teasing you, right? Sure. Um, But I think we forget that houses can be bought with cash. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, when you look at my my background is I was a mortgage broker and I owned my own mortgage brokerage and had a bunch of mortgage brokers that worked for me, all really amazing people. But I remember like doing the math and, and when you know, most people aren't actually mortgage free until their old age. And in fact, many people never become mortgage free, but let's just imagine you had a 30 year loan and, you know, on a $250,000 purchase and over those 30 years, you know, rates do whatever they do and maybe refinance, maybe move, whatever. But let's just say, for example, on that house, you stay there forever. Odds are by the time you've paid it off 30 years later, it's cost you well over $500,000. It's cost you yeah. more than double what you paid. Yeah. And so my question always is, well, what, you know, what are the odds that you could save $500,000 over 30 years if mm-hmm. you really focused? Mm-hmm. And the odds are really good. And in fact, most people can do it in eight to 10 years. Wow. So we don't actually need a mortgage to get a house. Mm-hmm. We just need a plan. We need mm-hmm. ways to understand compound interest. We need ways to understand how cash flow works. We need ways... Um, and, and I know that, you know, lots of people will roll their eyes and say, oh yeah, but you got to get in the marketplace early because the property, like all of that is speculative because mm-hmm. we don't actually know what's going to happen with the marketplace. As we've mm-hmm. seen lots of people, I know lots of people that bought in different peaks of the market. I know lots sure. of people that, you know, did really well. I mean, it just depends, but we have to get away from the idea that the only way to buy stuff is with credit. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so there, you know, Certainly to have a, to, to buy stuff with credit, you need a, a good credit rating. Absolutely. But that's what right. I mean when I was saying earlier, the system is designed right. to right. get like that's credit system is designed by creditors. Right. Right. So who just made a hundred bucks off me this morning Who just made for nothing <laughs> for, for, for <laughs> me, right. my peace of mind that someday my 756 credit rating isn't going to go down. That's right. Whatever the hell that means, which that's right. four times I've tried to rent an apartment. Beautiful. Yeah, okay. but see, it's true. Like, uh, you, like there are lots of people out there who have terrible credit and who yeah. are very, very wealthy. And there's lots of people who have amazing credit and are very, very broke. Yeah. So we're we're buying into the idea that the credit, like having a good credit score, is really important. When in essence, it may not be mm-hmm. as important as we think it is. So is this a, a matter of like plugging into the system or not plugging into the system? Like, are you viewing it kind of? Mm-hmm. Like, like the matrix, like, okay, if you're going to buy a house with credit, then you're going to end up in credit. Yeah. Are we going blue pill, red pill here? Aaron, let's, let's throw this down. Right? I'm not an extremist in any way. I just want people to understand that as soon as they start to play the game, they're yeah. in a game that they're not going to win. Ooh. So I think it's just really important to know who you're playing with. Yeah. Right. And I think it's important to understand what their motive is and that they're bigger than you are. Sure. And, you know, there's lots of different ways to you know, skirt around different things and not get caught up in things, but odds are you will get caught up in things unless you do have a plan. So, you know, I know people who, who have a ton of points for travel and a bunch of different stuff and, and they can't use them. They especially can't use them right now, Mm. or if they want to use them, they have to travel through eight airports in the middle Mm. of the night. And, you know, Mm. like, it's not as easy as we think it is. And so when we have, you know, decided that, okay, I'm going to play this game, I think you have to be really strategic about okay. how you're going to manage your money or how you're going to manage your credit so that you don't end up in that place where you are trying to manage seven or eight monthly payments and you right. can't figure out why you're still broke, even though you make a really good income. Mm. It's, it's such a, like a profound pause. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. 
there is another way. I remember, I think my dad was the one who told me about Vegas. Like all this wasn't built because people are winning. So right, just, right. Just know that. And I, I remember I was like 12 or 13 and it hit. I was like, yeah. oh. Yeah. And have you ever a- gone off the strip in Vegas, like two blocks off the strip? Yes. It's yes. like death and pestilence. Right. Like, it is not good. No, it's so beautiful and bright and gorgeous mm-hmm. when you're on the strip. But like, you're, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this is smoke and mirrors. Mm-hmm. And there's like a team of MIT kids with Red Bulls up all night being like, how do we get four more cents out of that guy who swears he's not going to lose? Yeah. yeah. It feels like the same situation. Yeah. Okay. For people though, who are like, uh, but I am in debt and I don't right. want you to give the book away. But what is what are some of the early processes that those people can can make? I'd say especially to not feel hopeless, because I well, remember I, when I was twenty two thousand dollars in debt, I was like, well, I'm just never going to pay this off. I can't. The <laughs> numbers don't add up, right? Like the, I'm paying four hundred dollars a month on it, but two eighty of that goes to interest, so yes. I'm only making hundred and twenty dollars. I did like that's going to take me thirty years. walk me through this, the early steps, if you would. Well, I think the, you know, the way we teach it is like, there are three phases that every human is in, right? So phase one is learning the financial fundamentals. That's like how money works, how you operate with money. Cause it's one thing to know how the system works, but we all have a different psychology. So Mm -hmm. your relationship with money might be very different than your twin brothers, Mm -hmm. you know, relationship with money. And that's based on your beliefs, your experiences, like things that happened to you in childhood. It's based on all kinds of things. So really unraveling what that is and how that works. And then really understanding how cash flows in and out of your life. Mm. And then we get you to calculate your net worth and your net worth statement then becomes the benchmark by which we measure your success. So Mm. that's not your success as a human being. That's just your financial monetary, able to track the numbers success. And so we really focus on making all of those systems work together. And we do that whether you're in debt or not. So you can be in the program and have no debt, but just really want to understand money better and build wealth. Yeah. Or you can, you know, but either way you have to do phase one, phase Mm -hmm. two of the program is really about paying down debt. How do you pay down debt? There's a bunch of different methods you choose for you. I'm not somebody who's going to stand up here with a giant pair of scissors and cut up your credit card. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like you really have to decide if credit fits into your life or not, or if it makes sense for you to maybe not use credit for a little while. Mm So that's sort of what we do in phase two. And then phase three is the wealth building phase. So we take, like, let's say you were spending, you know, the average person in our program, uh, well, it ranges from, you know, $1,200 a month to, you know, $5,000 a month and beyond in Mm -hmm. monthly payments that go towards debt. So when you're out of debt, 18 months, two years from now, we take that, you know, 1,200 bucks, that 5,000 bucks, whatever you were putting towards debt, and we use it to build wealth. And so that's sort of like the three phase process that we do. But right. while you're in phase two, that debt building, you know, or that debt eradicating part that you're talking about, we really get you to make a customized system. We walk you through a bunch of different options, yeah. but you really have to create a customized system that's going to work for you because it's not about math. Like it's not about spend less than you may. I mean, we all know that, right? It's mm-hmm. just like, we all know how not to get chubby. We all know we ought not to eat more calories than we, but, you know, we all know what sure, happens, sure, but sure, sure. But there's complicated factors in all of that, right? Some of us sure. have genetic issues. Some of us just need to take a big poop. Like there's all right. kinds of things that affect numbers in our lives. Right. So really understanding how you relate will help you build your custom system so that you can get the heck out of debt like super quick. Mm, brilliant. It, it feels like this should be taught at 18, mm-hmm. right? I, I get what you mean. I, I remember seeing the signups on college campuses when I was in college. 
Yeah. I mean, like most of these people are world, like idiots in the sense, in the sense of the world. Right. Very academic, very, very intelligent, but this is their first year away from mom and dad. This is their first yeah. year living on, quote, living on their own. Um, Aaron, how do people who, who find themselves in this, but then are, are just like, how do we deal with the overwhelm? Let's just stick with that, like a basic, yeah. like, I understand money. I remember my buddy when I was like 22, he'd gotten an MBA. He gave me this like flip book. Like it seemed like it was for kids, but it wasn't. It was for adults to understand money and have spent thousands of dollars working with coaches and professionals and teachers and 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 understanding the game. But there's still a part of me that's like, I don't want to play this game. Mm-hmm. My broker handles all my investments. I want to write books. I want to use words. For people who say like, wait a minute, this sounds like now I have to learn Russian <laughs> and, and 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 be like a Russian like <laughs> poet yeah. at the end of it, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I have to go up against Eminem and some Russian slam poetry contest in order to get out of debt. When it feels right. that big, what's your advice to people on how to sort of chunk it down? Well, I think that's entirely like you've nailed the actual solution right there. Like that's the entire thing is we really have to go at it dollar by mm. dollar. Most of us didn't get into debt you know, in one giant swoop. Like it wasn't like we were like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to rack up $22,000 on my credit card today. Yeah, It's like little things here and there and it's paying a little bit off and racking back up and paying it off and racking back up. Right. So it's, I think the overwhelm comes when suddenly one day you look at it and you're like, wow, this Mm. is not what I thought. But then when we can break it down and go, okay, what actually caused this? Mm. How did we get here? What are the behaviors I have? And then we just start changing one little thing at a time. So we don't worry about the Mm $22,000. We might start with $50. We're like, how are you going to find an additional $50 today? And we come up with all Mm. kinds of creative ways, right? Mm. Because it's about, of course, reducing the expenses you have and re- increasing the income, but sometimes it's about both. And it's about being mm. really creative and really understanding that like, it's the little pieces over time yeah. that add up to the big success. Yeah. When people wait, like this is the other thing that happens and it happens with the gym world too, right? Where people will say, well, when I get thin, I'm gonna start to go to the gym. Sure. It doesn't work like that, right? right? right, it, right. It, it's yeah. the same with money and budget. You're better to do this work while you're broke, to be honest. Mm. You're better to start to learn this while you have no money because you have nothing to lose. Right. So. What's cool about it is like, as you're learning, like I wrote the book, like I said, for me, but I'm a dummy. Like I'm only medium smart. I, you know, I use words like twat waffle in this book. Like it is not your average. (laughs) That puts you in like an elite (laughs) category in my mind. (laughs) It's very easy to read. Shakespeare. (laughs) (laughs) There's no fancy words in it. Like it really is gritty and it's honest Mm. and it's like, straightforward. There's just a lot of meat there. There's not any fluff in the book. Um, but it really is step-by-step and in the back, there's a giant checklist. So worst case scenario, if you knew nothing, you could go to the back of the book and just one Mm. by one, check off all of the little things. And as you do them, Mm. you'd be out of debt. So it's really not like the overwhelm piece, which I totally get. And I've, I've been there. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen anyway. Like even as you're paying off debt, something's going to happen, right? Your furnace is going to go, or like, there's going to be moments of overwhelm, but that's not a money problem. That's a being human problem. Mm, And so we just have to, we have to make that not mean something like, oh, I'm terrible with money. I can't believe this happened to me. I'm never going to get debt. We have to go, okay, the furnace blew. I don't want to dip into my quick and dirty fund. I want to find a way to create some income here. How can I be really creative and make this happen without going back into debt? Okay. And those same money muscles we mm-hmm. use in phase three in the wealth building process. 
I love it. Why do you think, and this, this is kind of like a psych question, but why do you think most people, and I'm projecting that this is most people when, cause this was my experience. Like, okay, I'm in debt. I'll spend nothing. It was never, I'm in debt. How do I make more? Mm. Why do you think people, if they do, or I said, I'm projecting this, that they default into, okay, I need to live in a studio. I need a mattress. I need water. I need lettuce and, and I need five years right. as opposed to like, huh, what can I sell in my house? What can I do on weekends? What, how can I double my consulting rates or coaching rates? Why is our default to suffer rather than to get creative and build? This is such a great question, but I, you're right. I do, This is really what I see a lot of. And I think it's easier to live in a lack mentality than mm. it is to live in an abundant mentality. And I think that's one of the big shifts that people make when they read the book or do the program, because it's, it's like when you are already feeling broke, we start to look at ways we can cut. But what that does is it continues to tell us we're not worthy, mm. which is the one of the primary core beliefs that people get into debt for, right? People sure. who get into debt are typically mm. people who are people pleasers mm. or they're not great with boundaries. And I say that with all the love in my heart, because I also was sure. one of those people, right? Sure. It was like, Me too. It, as soon as my paycheck would come in, I would be like, okay, I better pay all these people so they don't get mad at me. And so I would be paying, you know, all the money out and then I'd have nothing left, but it got, you know, it was what the need it met in me was it allowed me to continue to feel not worthy. So there's a little bit of that going on for a lot of people. And that lack mentality is really easy. And the credit card companies want you to live in that lack mentality because they know just like a diet company does, when you starve for long enough, eventually a binge is going to come. So you'll starve, you'll cut back, you'll cut back, you'll cut back. And now all of a sudden you'll have $5,000 available credit on your credit card and there's going to be a sale or it's Black Friday or something happens, right? And boom, they know they've got you, right? So, so that almost like that lack mentality is even built into the underscript of everything that's going on in the debt world. Now it is important to not overspend and it, but I think more important than that, we have to prioritize our spending. Hmm. Like you got to figure out what matters to you and you have to have luxury items in your budget for you. Anyway, Mm -hmm. your luxury items might be different than my luxury items, but I bet they are. (laughs) mine's a chai tea latte every day, right? Like everybody has something. I have this friend who's like, I'm not giving up my eyelash extensions no matter what. And I'm like, I would, that'd be the first thing I would give up, right? Like, so, but everybody's got a thing. Yeah. And I got a a buddy who's going through the program right now and he's, he's in the middle of a arm sleeve tattoo. Mm. And he's like, I'm not giving this up. I'm like, great, let's find a way to get that tattoo done. And so we've got it timed. that will be finished like the day he starts phase three. So I think it's really important to understand that like both are required. Like we do have to cut back a little bit, but we have to cut back on the things that aren't adding any value to our lives, Mm. not on the things that are. And then we have to increase the way we're adding value to other people's lives. And that's the thing that brings us income. Yeah. That's, that's the biggie. Yeah. Right. I remember early on, right. In the nation challenging the guys to make an extra 500 bucks a month that month rather. It was like, sell shit out of your garage. Do, do whatever you put stuff on eBay, volunteer yeah. to babysit the neighbor's kids. And yes. very few of them hit 500, but a number of them were like, oh, I made 350 bucks, I right. made 400 bucks. I, I did. And like, oh, what did you do? A little, all the things that we just mentioned. Yeah. But the, yes. the, the challenge was it had to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's so easy to settle back into just the, this is normal and okay, cool. We're on tuna fish and rice for a couple of weeks. <laughs> As opposed to like, huh, how do I make an extra thousand dollars this month? 
Yes. There I think would- that's so brilliant. Cause I think that's, that's exactly the key to the thinking is often there's so many things around us that we don't realize, mm. you know, we had a girl through the program last year and we were zooming and I saw, you know, she was like, I'm really stuck. Like I don't have anything to sell. I don't have anything. And so I'm, I'm looking behind her. I said, you have a dining room table behind you. And mm. she says, yeah. I said, how many people in your family? She says four. I said, I see six chairs, sell two of them. She's mm. like, really? And then we just started to brainstorm right now right. in the end, she didn't need to get rid of the two chairs, but it just started the process of thinking what is available to me. Where are the opportunities versus yeah. do I have the money or do I not have the money? Hey folks, hope you're loving this conversation with Erin. I had a blast. She is hilarious. I want to share a quick win with you so I can thank you. Last week, we just passed a thousand copies of the book being sold on Audible, the book itself. Before I was celebrating a thousand total Audible sales, but this is a thousand copies of Man Uncivilized sold on Audible. So thank you for helping me. Thank you for getting the word out. Thank you for spreading the word. To me, this is a thousand men. 1,000 men who are looking at the world differently, who are expressing themselves differently, who understand the primal and the divine and the interplay, who are dealing with their wounds and who are leading. So if you haven't read this book yet or you have it, but you haven't listened to it, please go to manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get yourself a copy or 20. All right, back to Aaron. I remember an early client I had, Aaron, you'll love this. They were, I think they were combined as a family, $25,000 in debt. And I remember the woman walking me through her nightly routine. She's like, well, I usually stay up and watch TV till about 2 a.m. I was like, okay, cool. Where, where's the TV? She's like, oh, there's one in my bedroom. We actually have four. We have one in the living room, one in our bedroom, and one in each of the kids' bedrooms. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stand up and take a deep breath. Uh, <laughs> and you're going to sell your fucking televisions and get a library card and go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. I can, do you not see this? You're, you're this yeah. much in debt and you have four televisions in the house. Yeah. Okay. But the resistance was like, but this is what we do, mm-hmm. right? It was, it's like, but this is our habit. How do I get out of debt without changing my habit? I imagine is, is the secret question that most people yeah. ask you. But you know, let's just talk about that TV thing for a second. Sure. I'm, I'm going to, if you want to send me hate mail, it's PO box 80044, Airdrie, Alberta, Canada, <laughs> T4B2V8. Okay. Everybody ready? I'll wait for your hate mail. I'm going to send you chocolate chip cookies just so you know. <laughs> I'm telling you. Okay. So television costs way more than the actual television. Ooh, and so that. when I get people to do the numbers, right, I'll say, well, what did your TV cost you? And they'll say, well, it was $500 a TV. So in yeah. that person's case, right, there's $2,000 maybe worth of TVs there. Obviously, you're not going to get that on the resale market, but, sure. and then, oh, but cable. Okay. So that's whatever bucks a month. Well, that's not the end of it because the average American watches three hours of TV a day. So that's 21 hours a week. And if we take 21 hours, and instead go even work at a minimum wage job. Mm-hmm. And we take all the money we earn from the minimum wage job and we just put it away and invest it. Mm. At the end of our lifetime or working lifetime. So if we just did that from the age of like 20 to 65, let's say, at the end of all that, you'd have like $5 million. Oof. And so TV doesn't cost mm-hmm. a couple hundred dollars. TV costs you $5 million. Now I'm not saying, people hear that and they're like, well, I'm not gonna go get a job. I'm already working here. I'm, I'm not asking you to go work another job. I'm just mm-hmm. asking you to be aware of what TV is costing you in your life and do exactly like what you said, like go get a library card. Mm -hmm. Think of things differently. 
Yeah. Maybe you don't have to um, get another job somewhere else, but maybe you can provide more than minimum wage value to the marketplace. So mm -hmm. if you have a skill that you could teach somebody else, mm -hmm. rather than working three hours a night minimum wage job, you could work 30 minutes coaching somebody, teaching them, sharing something, selling something, right? <clears throat> and sock that money away. And because I here's the deal is I don't think I got rid of my TV years ago. So all of my TV reference, my friends make fun of me because I make Ally McBeal references or all these like ridiculous TV references that nobody <laughs> understands. I do have Netflix now though. Ever since quarantine, I got Netflix. So I'm catching back up on life. But the but I I know I'm not going to be 90 years old and be like, oh, you know what? Who got voted off the island or who got right. the final rose in the most dramatic rose ceremony ever? Right. Like, I'm never going to wonder that. And I, and I never have. And yet I understand that for some people, TV is relaxation, especially sure. after you work really hard. Sure. And, you know, that can be your time for connecting. I'm not here to judge, but like, if that's how you feel like you connect with your partner, then, then fine. Mm -hmm. But don't let it be the thing that you're going to die on. Like mm. really be open to the idea that, okay, let's do this intentionally. Let's just not lay in bed at night and surf mm. channels. Mm. Let's make a plan to sit down together and watch this show. And the rest of the time, let's work on building our wealth. Yeah. Because what would be amazing is if we can retire in 10, 15 years and then do whatever we want with our time. Because I'm telling you, right. if you've got money in the bank and your interest is banging with your other interest and your money's making money bunnies, Right. And you can do whatever you want with your life. You're not going to be spending it watching TV. Mm -mm. No. So let's go live some of that now, right? Yeah. You know, I was yeah. watching a, a quick uh, Joe Rogan clip. I can't remember who he had on, but the guy was talking about social media and one of the dangers of social media and actually saying, this isn't just social media because you can kill your Instagram account and then spend your time on YouTube. He's like, it was just media. <laughs> and what media has done in the proliferation that we have it now is it's robbed us of boredom. And right. boredom actually has some value. It does. Right? And so the dead time, the quiet time, the like, oh, I'm going to sit here and think. I'm going to allow something to come through me. I'm going to draw, write, do, do whatever we used to do in the 90s um, before it was like this. Yeah. And how many ideas are being robbed? Yes. Of, wow. Resourcefulness. You know right? The resourcefulness. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I love just the idea you said of being conscious with a partner. Mm -hmm. of one of the steps I've, I've one of the things I do with my current partner is we talk about money regularly and right. go, and we're working through an, a, a different program but a program on money that's making us have these conversations of mm -hmm. wow you grew up very different than I did we should probably know this wow your idea of wealth is very different than mine is this is wait this isn't like the top three reasons why people get divorced yeah holy shit maybe we should talk about it and yeah it also feels empowering to say, oh, now you're my partner in this. Mm -hmm. I'm not this entity. You're not this entity. And hopefully we do this uh, together. But yeah, let's consciously do it together. Do you find that it's, and, and again, if it, you don't know the answer to this, it's okay, that it's single people or couples who end up in more debt? Oh, it's like, it, it really doesn't matter. Like, okay. here's what happens is if you are like, Coupled up people, if they're struggling financially, they often blame their partner for the reason oh. they're struggling financially, right? Because uh, it's really difficult if one partner wants to get out of debt and one doesn't to care. Like mm. you've got one foot on the brake and one foot on the gas, right? Yeah, so sure. debt can pile up there. Yeah. Single people can feel like they're in this alone. Mm. They, you know, it's it's a challenge or whatever. And so they can rack it up too. It really, what I'm seeing is like, let's say as a single person, you make $100,000 a year 
if you are in debt, you, you'll probably be up to $50,000 in debt. Um, if you're a couple and you earn, you know, one partner earns a hundred thousand, the other one earns a hundred thousand as a combined couple, you could be up to a hundred thousand dollars in debt. That's just based on gross debt servicing, what the banks will allow you to be in debt for. And does so, that include mortgage or is that just not including consumer mortgage. debt? No, Holy that's shit. Now that's not the average consumer debt out there. I'm saying oh. that's the maximum amount oh, you'll be allowed to okay, buy, right? Okay, so, okay. so each individual will have like a single, it's not more or less than, it's the same ratio in comparison to their income. Oh, uh, okay. So okay. when you've got two people, it's a little harder because there's more debt there, but yeah. there's also sometimes two incomes to mm. cover that, right? So, but the issue is that single people feel like this is so hard because I have to do this on my own. Right. And I always say, I've never met somebody who said, Aaron, do you have any broke friends? I'm dying to hook up with somebody and pay off all their debt for them. <laughs> right? like, so that doesn't happen. So don't put your wishes on somebody coming along to help you with this. And couples always think, oh, if this guy wasn't you know, here, or if this woman wasn't here spending, like I'd get out of this so much faster. And that's also not true. So we really have to sort of take agency over our own financial circumstances right. and try and work with our partners. We always talk about um, couples have to have like a naked budget meeting because it's mm. really difficult to fight about money when your jubblies are out. You know yeah. what I mean? It's really difficult to have an argument when yeah. you are naked. So we tell you like, talk about money when you are naked. Oh, wow. This is, like, this get... is amazing. I think we should dive deeper into this. <laughs> <laughs> but truly, like we teach you how to have a naked budget meeting because when you're having it, like somebody comes in the door at the end of the day and like they're stressed and you know what yeah. I mean? You haven't created a context or a space for a healthy, vulnerable conversation. It gets right. really difficult to tell the truth mm. and it gets really easy to point fingers and blame. And so when right. you can remove all that and you can say the truth, which is like, I am fearful of our financial circumstances right now. Mm. It changes the tone of the conversation. Yeah. And then also sure. you can make out after. So there's that. Yeah. There's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is just actually a love podcast. Right I'm going to measure, I'm going to send you now a do not disturb sign for yeah. your bedroom door that says naked budget meeting in progress. Please. And I'm, I'm just going to like pull it out whenever I want. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> budget meeting. Mm, yeah, I know. Put the pancakes down, budget meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hop in the shower. All right, here we go. Budget meeting. <laughs> Aaron, why is money so discombobulating to us? Well, it's like, this is it. We, we need it. You need it in life. It's like food. We need it. And yet we have such a weird kind of dysfunctional as humans, or at least in the West have such a dysfunctional relationship with it. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know how to eat to keep themselves alive. Mm -hmm. And yet most people are living beyond their means debt-wise. They, they, they can't afford the things that they have. Why, in your opinion, are we so off track with these, with these basics? Well, it's so easy to do. I mean, it's just so... It, for me, the reason I got into debt isn't because you know, I wanted to overspend on my credit card. I got into debt because I was actually trying to do good things. I was trying mm -hmm. to in, invest in my business. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I was really, I wasn't trying to get into debt, but because I didn't really understand what had value and what didn't, I was mm -hmm. more concerned with what I needed right now versus what I needed in the long term. Mm -hmm. And that disconnect between understanding urgent and important was the thing that pulled me into things constantly then needing to be urgent. Mm -hmm. Because now I had to pay this credit card off with this credit card, or now mm -hmm. I had to consolidate this into this, or like I was making all sorts of dumb money decisions. But I think the reason we're so disconnected from it is because we are being sold 24 seven. 
We are yeah. constantly being sold. And I don't think that yeah. was the case 50, 60 years ago. No, but it wasn't. When you look at like the social media advertising, you look at the billboard advertising, you look at like all of the things people are constantly exposed to, yeah. there's always a sale at the end of it. So I'm super conscious with the get the hell out of debt program. Like it's not a, I'm not making millions of dollars on that program. Like we donate mm -hmm. back into it. I have no desire to get wealthy off of somebody else's debt. Mm -hmm. We're not selling, we, you come to the program. We don't sell you anything in the program. Like there's mm -hmm. no yeah. trick. There's no, right, like, right, here's right. just the education, and the information because everybody all day, it's like, har you're getting harassed. You go to the grocery store and there's, you know, music playing. And then it's interrupted with like, there's aisle eight, there's a sale on Kool-Aid and there's, yeah. you know, constant, relentless advertising mm. and people fighting for, and so even when you're like, you're not out looking to spend money, unconsciously, you're being told all the reasons you need to, like, here's why you're ugly. Here's why you need mm -hmm. these pants. Here's why you need mm -hmm. these running shoes to run faster. Here's why you need this bovine injection into your face to look younger. Here's oh, why do that. it's like constant, relentless people telling you the things that are wrong with you and how they're going to help you fix them. Yeah. And so we, you know, we're just a little disconnected from what we really need because we, if we haven't clearly defined for ourselves where it is we're going or what we want financially, mm -hmm. somebody else is going to tell us what to do with their money. Like if you don't decide where your money's going, Amazon is going to give you 500 great reasons right. to give it to them. Right, right, right. But or that's that boundary issue. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the tie-in between uh, emotion and money mm -hmm. of how people are using it? Not, I wouldn't say to numb, but, and we're not talking about the extremes. Obviously there's people with shopping issues and, and addiction, mm -hmm. but just how are we as a culture using it as like a, an opiate? or a feel good, right? Like the, you yeah. know, the, the proverbial, like there's chocolate at the checkout. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I'll just grab one of these. Like, holy shit, that's a $3 piece of chocolate the size of my thumb. <laughs> you bastards. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's, you know, like, I don't think you're off base when you're saying we use it to numb. Like right now in society, especially where we're at right now, like everybody's grieving and, and we haven't yeah. really given ourselves like that chance to really we're not even really sure what we're grieving or why, like we're all just sort of stuck in it. Right. And so right. that comes with a real heaviness. And sometimes there's a really fun dopamine hit when mm. you know, a package is going to show up Sure, sure. or sure. the groceries are going to show up or I don't, you know, I'm so tired and it's dangerous out in the world. I don't feel like putting on a mask and going to, you know, the ice cream store. So I'm going to have it delivered here and I'm going to eat it in my pajamas. Yeah. You know, so there's lots of reasons why right now we, you know, can sort of numb or mm. get an emotion or get a feeling from a spend. But what's interesting is when you can take that same feeling and you can turn it into an investment. So you could, you know, when you're out of debt, you can go, Oh, I'm going to buy an ETF today, mm. or I'm going to buy an index fund today or whatever. And you can get that same glorified hit, but mm. for doing something that's for your benefit, yeah, you're able to really turn that stuff around. But I, like right now, you know, I, people get so hard on themselves and like, Oh, we got to be more disciplined with money. We got to, I'm like, I don't know that this is the season to be yeah. disciplined with money right now. Yeah. I don't know that this is the season. I think this is the season to be gentle with ourselves and mm. do it from a kind place. Cause it can also be done that way. It doesn't have to be this grind or this, you know, you don't have to give up all the things you love. And like you said, right. Like move into a studio right, apartment and right. live on lettuce. Right. We can do this in a way that's still honoring and giving ourselves those feelings, but we can do it with intention so that it doesn't end up that at the end of the month, when that credit card bill shows up, we have a ton of like 
walk of shame feeling when we come back from the mailbox. Okay. Do you, have you followed trends of what happened over COVID as far as people getting more in debt, people paying debt off? Yeah. Was it, is it just you know, a mixed bag? I don't believe anything anymore. So, Beautiful. Because, Good for you. Well, yeah. Because I've them. seen you know, in the news, like they're, you know, I've seen these like, you know, imaginary studies. It's too early to tell, really. Let's, <laughs> that's the answer. Um, but these imaginary studies, you know, where like a news outlet polls people and they say, right. oh, savings are up because people right. are putting their stimulus checks away. And I'm like, are they? Because I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing right. more people coming to me who are hurting and who are scared. Yeah. But that's anecdotal, right? That's my experience too. Sure. Obviously, when you've got a book called Get the Hell Out of Debt, you're not going to run into people who are like, I'm putting my stimulus check money away, right? Sure. Um, but I, what I do see is like this, I don't know how to word it, but it's it's almost like a, like a YOLO. Like, mm. let's party now. Because pretty soon we're all going to have to go back to that grind we were in before that we hated so much, where we were all working a bunch of jobs and we were up at six and we were going to bed at midnight. And like, so right. let's have fun right now. And so I'm seeing that kind of spending more like that experiential yeah. spend, but it's hard to say right now, like, you know, there's not, you have to be in bankruptcy for so many months before it gets reported. Like you have oh, to be okay. so far down the line and we're still too early in the whole process, but I yeah. definitely... Um, you know, with real estate booming, there's a lot of refinances going on, people trying to pay off debt with debt, which to me is the most ridiculous thing, mm. but all kinds of like challenges and stuff that way. So I think we will see a change. But the other side of that is I'm starting to see people really be aware of like, wow, if another pandemic hits in 10 years, mm. I want to be ready. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to live on credit. I don't want to have mm. to worry about it. I want to rent a big house on an you know, ocean somewhere. And I'm going to move sure. my family into that. And we're going to lock ourselves down for six months and swim in the pool and be together. So we're seeing a lot of that mm. type of thinking, which is also great. But I think the short term, in the short term, there's a lot of pain financially. Oh, it's so interesting, Aaron. It's so, so interesting. I imagine that the, ex like whatever your setting was two years ago, it's just been exponentiated mm -hmm. where I can see, I remember thinking that like tattoo places are going to be booming because it is the YOLO. It's like, well, we all had to confront death this year. Yeah. So now I can get the like rose on my neck and, and whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's not going to be a big deal. And yet how many people also last March, or I believe, yeah, went, you know what? It would be really great if I had six months of a cushion right now. Mm. And I don't, that would have made this whole thing so much easier. Yes. Huh? I'm not going to restaurants. I'm not going to bars. I'm not going to movies. Let me pay some of this off. Yeah, I, I would love an actual, an actual non-imaginary study yeah. of what were the what were the actual numbers? How many yeah. people got out of debt? How many people went into debt? How many of those had jobs or lost jobs? Like, what were the varying factors? But I'm I sure we'll have like, that in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll come out. I'm, I'm just so curious though of what were people's settings, and is that something that you talk about or believe in? Of like. Uh, this came from a, a good buddy of mine named Zeb. We, we used to teach CrossFit together and we were both in debt at the same time and said, if this were body fat, we would have changed our entire lives. We would have been up at five. We would have been running hills. We would have been lifting every day, but because it's money, we're like, it's cool. It's 10 grand, like whatever. Someday I'll pay that off. And yet we had clients who were in not very good shape, let's just say, but we knew if their net worth dropped to like 4 million, they'd be like, I'm done. I'm up at 5 a.m. I'm doing like, we all have something that are setting bells go off. We're like, oh, mm -hmm. I'm not okay with that. 
Do you yeah. talk about that or feel mm-hmm. into that? Or do you have an opinion on that? Yeah, I think it just all comes from that money blueprint that we all have, just like we all have a health blueprint, right? Mm-hmm. We all have this place where, oh, if, you know, we get like, for me, I, I remember start a quarantine about seven or eight weeks in, I was sat back in my chair, in my, you know, my vehicle the driver's seat and I turned on the the butt warmers, but I could feel the butt warmers in my back. And I was like, oh no, I have a love handle. <gasps> like I could just, you know what I mean? This. I just, I felt it. And I was like, no. So it was like that moment. I was like, this has got to end. But I could go up to that. No problem. Right. I got all the way up to there. But as soon as it hung out over my pants and touched the warm seat, I was like, this is it for me. So So, you know, I have that setting in my brain and same for me, like I have a net worth number where if I drop below this, you know, number, if I drop below a number in my bank account, I really start to stress. Yeah. And so the difference, what I saw happen last year when sort of quarantine started was there were sort of two types of mentalities, right? Mm. People who live in what's urgent and people who live in what's important. And the people Mm. who live in what's urgent are credit card people. So those are the people who are out panic buying toilet paper and they were the ones with no emergency funds and they were like the sky is falling and they were on social media 24 7 and they were mask shaming and freaking out and wiping down their groceries and doing all and this isn't a political statement but i just mean like that that frenetic pace that panicked people right yeah sure and the people who live by what's important were like oh okay the world is changing let's get grandma out of the nursing home and move her in Mm -hmm. to the house let's who's going to work from home out of our household how are we going to manage if this schools right what do we have for a cushion okay let's sell the boat because we're not going to need that this year and just make sure we pad up and let's just play some board games and puzzles and hang out together mm. and so sort of those two and not panic by toilet paper let's just trust that there's going to be enough, right, right? <laughs> it'll and come so, back around <laughs> yeah and so i think depending on how you're wired mm. your set point will activate right but if you are living in the urgent part like you are just, all you need is the next hit. Like you need the next check to hit the bank account. You're living paycheck to paycheck. You're like right on the line. But if you're living in what's important, you're like, you know, where you were, you're like, wow, I've had three pancakes. I'm not going to do that again tomorrow. Right. Whereas I'm like, I'm going to ride the pancake train until (laughs) it spills out over my pants. So I think it just depends on where your settings are. And, and that's all a product of your own personal identity and how you see yourself. So if you are somebody who judges other people, perhaps by those standards, you're more likely to judge yourself by them. And if you're somebody who is more graceful with other people, then you're probably not likely to notice and you're not likely to care for yourself, but you will have a point. Everybody has a point where they're like, this is too far for me. Yeah. And some of us just aren't there. And so we're just, that's why we're sort of floundering in this Mm. sloppy money pattern because we haven't hit the point yet where it was like, oh gosh, we don't have any toilet paper. We have no money in the account. We're out of ramen noodles and now what and the Mm. you know the bank is coming for the house like we haven't got us we don't know where that line is for ourselves yet right that's so important in the last few minutes we have i know this is a big topic but you brought up the word trauma and i would love it if you would just speak a little bit to that especially (laughs) in regards of what we've all lived through in the last year and a bit and how that can be playing into our money stories both positively and negatively Oh yeah. And you know, trauma is such a tough, like the, the variances and the nuances of trauma very differently with every human. And so if you are somebody who's experienced trauma, like I feel for you and I understand Mm -hmm. that what's happened in the last year can have have compounded that. 
Um, perhaps with your money, you've got a lot of money trauma too, with what's happened in the last year. Um, and so I think it's really important to understand that like, there's not, there's not a way to get rid of trauma. Like it's not, you know, we often look for the fix. Like how do I heal my trauma or fix it? You, you can certainly heal, but it's not mm-hmm. like, it's not like you can magically make it go away. So we have to figure out a way to embrace and work with our trauma, especially when it comes to money, because otherwise we just keep re-traumatizing ourselves every time we go to deal with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you, let's say you had some trauma in your childhood, or you had some trauma in your teen years, or even as a young adult, sometimes those, the pattern that that created is going to show up in your money patterns. Like if you had something that when you were young made you feel unworthy and the story that you've been carrying ever since then is that you're unworthy, it's going to show up in your money. It doesn't mean that you're going to be broke forever, but it means, you know, if I see this happen with a lot of people, they get a a big paycheck, they get like, you know, $5,000, let's say comes into their life and almost within days it's gone Mm. because inherently underneath everything, they believe they're not worthy. And so Mm. they try to give it away, even if they're giving it to Visa or MasterCard, but they're like, instantly the money comes into the life and they need it out of their bank account because it almost panics them to receive. Mm. And so trauma is you know, and I always, if you've got anything that you need to deal with, I really believe you need professional help and, and sure. it's important to get that if it's available to you. Cause I know resources can be tricky. Um, and so it's important to seek out whatever you can do, even if it means going to the library, like you said, right. Yeah. Like let's get rid of the TV and go to the library and take out a couple books on this until we can find yeah. an organization that can give us the kind of help we need. Right. But I think it's really important to look at it from the perspective of we're not going to ever, it's not ever going to go away. So we're going to heal the, you know, heal what we know of it, how it shows up today in the little tiny, tiny decisions that we make Mm -hmm. so that over time, it's not like this, we don't create another problem by trying to sort of fix or heal or avoid this big thing right here. Sure, sure, sure. And so the key is really understanding just how it's affecting you (laughs) in your day-to-day decisions. And then what that means for the results that you're going to get later on. Mm -hmm. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, it's it's just not talked about. Mm-mm. There are a couple. You guys things. do a great job talking about it, though. Like, thank you. You're like you guys are amazing. You lean into that stuff. Thank you. I'm collectively and nationally, like I, I haven't heard the powers that be, you know, mm-hmm. talk about vegetables and talk about journaling and talk about meditation and say like, hey, this may be really hard for you guys, for everybody. Um, we all confronted something and some of you went, huh, let me spend a lot of money to make that feeling go away. And some people went, huh, let me save a lot of money in case that feeling comes back. I've got a buffer Mm -hmm. against it. Or let me put some money actually and resources towards this thing that just got triggered that came up. And now I have the availability to work through it. And, you know, and as you said, there are, there are resources out there that don't require money and there are a number of them that do. Mm-hmm. So I feel like coming out of the pandemic, this stuff is super important, Aaron. The weight of, I remember having the weight of debt and it was literally like a blanket on me at all times. There was, if there was downtime or relaxation, it was, it was tempered by like, but yes. don't forget, we still have this thing we got to get rid of, yes. you know? And so I'm so appreciative of the work that you're doing in this book because freedom is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so layered. We don't realize how the debt is still keeping us from pursuing the thing that we're here to pursue. Yeah. To express ourselves in the way that we're we're meant to be expressed. 
And I don't want to go conspiracy theory and tinfoil hat, but it feels like if you have a culture that's completely underwater and in debt, then they're not going to take the risk of, God, I just want to make art. God, I just want to make poetry. I want to write a book. I want to start a foundation. I want to be a whatever, 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 uh, yes. whatever it may be. And so, yeah. so much of your, our work is the permission of, and liberation of free expression. But as someone who's actually had to open up a Chase account and be like, 22 grand, I'm not expressing shit today. Uh, I, <laughs> I triple yeah. appreciate what you're doing. For, for anybody who, who wants to get more of you more more, and find this book or any of your other work, where, where do you hang out? Where are you spending time lately? And, and where can people get this specifically if they want to pre-order it? Well, it's available everywhere. So it's, okay. you know, get it at your favorite bookseller. I love when you support an independent bookseller because they're all hurting right now. So, um, yeah. but if you don't have one in your area, you can go to bookshop.org and they, it's actually cool. They started this in January. It's an online, I hope I'm getting this right, bookshop.org because I haven't talked to you directly about this. I just did internet sleuthing, <laughs> but they started this in January to help these small companies mm -hmm. who, you know, when they had to shut their doors, Right. But Costco didn't, you could still get right. books at Costco, right? So a percentage or an amount, dollar amount from every book sale goes to an independent bookseller when oh, you buy. From, but yeah, they ship it to you directly. So uh, bookshop.org or any, you know, any of the big retailers too, if you want to get it, it's called Get the Hell Out of Debt. You can find me anywhere on the internet at Aaron Sky Kelly. And it's important to have the Aaron Sky Kelly part because there's also a porn star that shares a similar name and mm. we're both brunette and people get us confused. <laughs> so. And it's S-K-Y-E. Yes. Aaron is the author. She's not an actress. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I don't believe oh, I'm faking anything, other, people. Don't fake anything. That's a whole anything. story we could have yeah. done. <laughs> How has anybody asked you for your autograph? Please be honest. If somebody... I get uh, interesting emails is what I get. Oh, so yeah, brilliant. I get photos of people's oh. parts before. Now I'm going to, I just opened it up right now. Everybody in the nation's going to be like, ha ha, this is really <laughs> funny. Let's send her an eggplant. Don't send me an eggplant. Bros, no eggplants for Aaron Sky <laughs> Kelly. Period, fucking period. <laughs> Aaron, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing this and truly for, again, for the work that you're doing and for this book and the impact that it'll have. We are, you know, Connor loves to say, this is actually a mental health pandemic. Mm. And, and I fully agree with him that underneath all of this, what we're not talking about is just how deep that goes. And, and this yeah. is a big piece of it. So thank you so much. And thank you for coming on. Thank you for all the work that you do and the way you inspire. And it's not just with your words, it's the way you live your life. And so I'm honored to know you and I'm honored to be here. Thank you. This is Traver Bohm signing off on another episode of the Uncivilized Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please give us a share. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And if you're interested in getting a hold of my book, Man Uncivilized, whether you're a man or a woman, please go to www.manuncivilized.com forward slash the book and get reading.